and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen. I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the, the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to a brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into hand. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said to, to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is his city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
I had to get involved in two disciplinary issues this week. Once with our RE youth group, not school kids, and one with our school kids. The first one, Wednesday night, was with the, the confirmation and religious ed kids who meet up in the office building because we've been having plumbing issues for the last several weeks, and I've had to spend money on plumbers that I frankly hadn't budgeted for. Hint, hint. A- anyhow, so at first, it just looked like the girls were flushing stuff down that they shouldn't, and so kind of a soft pedal, ladies, pads and such, can't go in the toilet. It's a real problem, cost several thousand dollars. But then uh, when they brought the thing out and they sucked all of it out, Turns out on the boys' side, they were putting things down like pens and, you know, whole chunks of folder and whatever. So we had to go in and have a little conversation about care of space. And, and that was relatively easy to solve. You do this again, I don't have money for your youth minister. And then none of you get confirmed. I'll walk away. Okay. So I was able to establish a rule, and the rule seems to be, and in all likelihood will in fact be effective. The next day, uh, some kids at school, and it's not entirely clear how all this started, and the context in some ways is not altogether important, but some of the kids started calling each other monkey. This is a big problem in a multilingual, multiracial school. So understandably, some children were offended, and should have been under one description, right? Like, like this, this is a, a very racially charged term. We need to be real careful with it. The problem is, uh, most of us here may not know this, but uh, at the three, you certainly would. The problem is that mono or monito uh, means monkey. Like, that's the literal translation. But they use it like munchkin. Like, come here, munchkin, right? So it's a term of endearment. Ooh, now we got a problem. The same word as a term of endearment and potentially a really racially charged insult. So what do you do? You don't make a rule. It won't work. The rule itself, because then you start saying, well, you can say it here and you can't say it there. That's not what happens, right? Those kind of skills we have to teach kids by doing. And, and, and the change is not mostly external, it's internal. This is what Jesus is driving at as he references the law, sort of with a capital L, and what he says. You have heard it said, as it is written, okay, that's the law, and then, but I say to you. But do you notice what Jesus does is he doesn't say, Moses said, or the law said, or as it is written, but I say to you, and then what he says is, the opposite of what was already said, he ups the ante. He pushes it further. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, don't even get lusty. Bad for your soul. You've heard it said, do not kill. Don't kill. Also, don't be a jerk or you're killing somebody's soul. See the difference? So he's not making it less. He doesn't say, you've heard it said, do not kill, except maybe if you're in a war or a baby's inconvenient, or the guy's like a real scuzz bucket and we can prove it. Nope, that's not, that's not it, right? We're not busting it down, we're building it up. And the whole of the Sermon on the Mount really is sort of the law magnified and expanded. It's the law for everybody. 
which is far more than a series of constraints on our behavior. Because what Jesus does, what grace does, is it compels us from within. So rather than being forced to do something from the outside, he changes our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our dispositions, our default settings, so that we're able to do and be in ways that we never could before. Most of us, if we're paying any attention, should have been at least puzzled, if not troubled in spirit, during the psalm. Blessed is he who follows the way of the Lord, the law of the Lord. How wonderful, O Lord, is your law. The law of the Lord is my delight. Really? Really? I, I don't always delight in this. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I struggle with it as much as anybody. It doesn't always feel like a delight. So, so, so it, we have to, like, to get what Jesus is saying, we have to put ourselves in the mind of people who received the law as a gift, who understood the law as a delight. Why? Well, because without the constraints of the, of the law, things were worse. Like, we had to tell people not to kill because what they were doing before that was worse than just killing the people. Right? He had to tell people not to commit adultery because it wasn't just adultery that was going on. So the law has to constrain our behavior, but that's as far as it can go. The best that's going to ever get you is to not be a horrible person. But not horrible is not the same as good. Not a failure, not a catastrophe, not a nightmare is not the same as a success. And so what the Lord is drawing us to, not only by the Sermon on the Mount, by the words that he's speaking, but by his whole life and ultimately by his death, what the Lord is drawing us to is far more than just not being bad at life. It's about finally living and loving to the full. And the only way you get there the only way you can manage it isn't the law. It's the Lord. What the law can't manage can only be given by the Lord of life who trampled down death and the Lord of love who chose to love in the face of hate. This is real important because most of us struggle with the constraints in our behavior. We struggle with it even in the church. I am always astounded by this, and I, I'm not claiming moral superiority here, but I genuinely struggle with this. Like, I have a whole litany of sins that I can recite for you, but I have never once tried to talk myself out of my sin not being a sin. Like, it would never occur to me to say, church, you guys are real uptight. Can't lying just be okay, at least if it's convenient? But, but there are particular sins, things that are evidently sins, and that every Christian for the whole of history is recognized as sinful, that for some reason we've decided, nah, you got that bit wrong. You know, I got called to a sickbed recently, and the, and the person was in a real bad way, um, but had a, a, a pro-choice bumper sticker on their rascal that they were writing. And I was like, why would you think... Why would you want grace from a church so incompetent it can't even figure out what's a sin? Why would you think I'm even competent to do that for you? Not, I'm not going to not give you this because I'm saying you're in sin. 
I just don't understand this relationship with the church. Oh, I never thought about it like that, Father. Okay, well, good. I still score them sometimes, right? The point here is, we've got to look, especially coming up on Lent, we've got to look not so much at the constraints on our behavior, those are important, but at what's really motivating us. What gets us up in the morning and, and out to do the work of the day. Because that's where you're going to find where God is or where he's not in your life right now. These last couple weeks before Lent in the history of the church are often used as a kind of uh, pre-Lent, a sort of preparatory time. Part of that's the whole Carnival Mardi Gras, get rid of the stuff we can't have during the fast. But part of it is, is sometimes starting to let that stuff go, right? So if you, this is in the old days when people didn't have fridges, but if you ran out of meat early, you just wouldn't buy more. You'd kind of lean into Lent early. If you, uh, you know, if, 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 if the cow died and you weren't going to have milk for another eight weeks anyway, well, we're not going to do milk. Look at the things that you can let go of that you think would be good for you for a while, for six, eight, ten weeks, and start planning that now. Start trying it out now. Feel out your penances. And then, once your behavior is more focused and directed the way the law is written, then look at what's left inside and what's guiding and directing your behavior now and see with new eyes where God is and where he isn't. For us, as we yet celebrate the Eucharist today, make that your intention. Bring that as your offering and make peace with anyone you need to make peace with because he is the only one who will ultimately satisfy your heart's deepest desire.